Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and a very warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts and one hour. I'm Amber Sherlock. It's Thursday, the 20th of October. We have two experts joining me on today's show. Here for the full hour is Joshua Barker from Macro Capital and Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Thank you both very much for joining me today. Uh, let's get straight into it. And our first five stocks of the day that we're going to look at are Terracom, Aurora, MedAdvisor, and uh, Charter Hall Long Whale Wright and Dexas. But first, let's take a look at the stock of the day, which is CogState. It's a neuroscience technology company looking at optimising brain health assessments to develop new medicines and enable earlier insights into healthcare. Now, the business has released its September update and sales contracts fell 56% to $17.9 million US dollars for the first quarter of 2023. Meanwhile, total revenue fell 27% to $8.9 million US dollars for the first quarter. Let's hear what our experts think. Uh, Claude, we'll start with you. What do you think of CogState? Well, I should say CogState's one uh, that I own shares in and the headline numbers of today's quarterly definitely uh, would probably be disheartening to the casual observer. But, observer. but what you've got to remember about CogState is that they, uh, they have a smaller amount of their money that they make from ongoing steady quarter by quarter uh, contracts for uh, using their uh, brain uh, ability assessment software, which helps tell if people are, you know, for example, suffering from Alzheimer's disease. They have some stable revenue there, but the vast majority of their revenue comes from clinical trial revenue, which is uh, mostly companies think uh, that are trying to develop treatments for Alzheimer's. So as a result, the natural uh, way of their business is to have fairly lumpy quarter on quarter, both revenue and uh, correspondingly cash flows. And what we saw this quarter undoubtedly was a, a weaker quarter. You know, last quarter they, they had plenty of uh, free cash flow and their operating cash flow was stronger. This quarter, it was very narrow. They're still free cash flow positive every, each quarter, even in this very weak quarter, but their revenue down, cash flow down basically uh, just because they have been suffering from the fact that uh, they have slower than expected patient enrollment in the, one of the studies of one of their larger customers. And on top of that, uh, just random delays in some smaller cu- uh, customers. And then they, of course, had to utter the dreaded words where uh, they expect revenue delays, which are timing issue only to continue into uh, the second quarter of 2023, but largely recover in the second half of 2023. So basically that puts them in the classic uh, category of saying, oh, we're going to get us have a stronger second um, second half, which may or may not turn out to be true. But look, I think that the bigger picture here, and which is why I own shares, is even in this week quarter, the amount of uh, clinical trials contracted future revenue increased, and uh, you know they've got US 36 million roughly of contracted revenue that's going to happen as a minimum in 
FY2023, and then almost the same in FY2024. So the opportunities for them to grow are there. Uh, it can be a lumpy business quarter and quarter, and also it can be affected by, uh, you know, basically how much money is going into uh, Alzheimer's, uh, developing drugs for Alzheimer's in particular. And that's why Cog State is interesting because it's a slightly different story from the quarterly we saw today, but they've recently had a big share run up on the bat of some res re uh, relatively positive uh, clinical results, which probably means there's going to be ever more research and money spent into uh, treating Alzheimer's. So is it going to be a buy, sell or a hold from you? Uh, for me, it's in the it's a hold zone right now. It's a little bit above where I've been recently buying shares. So I won't be buying any more shares at this current price. If I didn't own any, I would be I would be open to buying a little bit at current prices. It's, it's obviously a high risk, high reward company. But uh, look, with, with this news around Lacanamab, uh, having some success, they have a ongoing healthcare uh, contract with uh, ISI, the one of the companies that owns that drugs. And if that does take off, it, it would be upside for Cogstate there. But again, that's not certain. So, uh, in the hold zones, given I already own it, uh, but not a terrible price to to perhaps pick up a little bit, in my opinion. Okay, great, Josh. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, it's not one that we'd uh, cover quite closely. But just looking in today's numbers, um, as Claude said does seem to be a bit of a drop off in these quarterly uh, figures, declining on the year previous. Um, they did say, uh, management did flag this previously, saying that there would be that delay in revenues due to those clinical trials. So yeah, it should be one that um, you know, you'd be okay to hold through this short term dip in, in the company's fundamentals more than anything. It did rally quite significantly about three weeks ago on um, the, as a company in Japan basically reported stronger uh, than strong results in their experimental study, um, which is quite significant. It's, it's a little bit more than a rumor because this company actually has a set agreement with Cogstate uh, and it's actually a, a substantial shareholder in Cogstate as well. So seems to be a little bit of a stock where it's sort of buy the rumor, sell the fundamentals at the moment. Um, but I think long term, it seems like a, a good business in the right area. Its main customers are these large pharmaceuticals companies, which mm -hmm. are going to pour capital, which is how they get their revenue more importantly so um, yeah happy to hold with this one for happy the time to hold. all right let's move on to the stocks of the day that was the stock of the day and we've got five more to have a look at for the first half of the show this is the first stock of the day picked by you and Gary wants to know the experts opinion on Terracom it's a resource explorer with a large portfolio of operating assets in Australia and South Africa some observers say it has too much debt uh, Josh what do you think well, debt is uh, very easily taken care of, like we saw with Whitehaven Coal. They went from uh, you know, having debt issues for years to be now being cash flow positive due to the environment that we're in. Um, so it's a little coal miner predominantly in uh, Queensland. They are in production, so they're getting uh, that money. They're selling their coal at about $500 a tonne uh, in the last quarterly. And uh, you know, they recently reported a dividend of around 10 cents, which is like a 12% yield off a single payment. Um, in the last, after the last financial year report. Um, that 10 cent payment was around $80 million worth um, that they gave back to shareholders. Now, if you look at their more recent quarterly report, uh, they're getting earnings of about $180 million. So, you know, broker maths is always fun. They could pay <laughs> a 20% dividend each quarter if they keep up these sort of earnings. So it's definitely a company that's like Whitehaven Coal. It's, it's making hay while the sun shines. They're getting huge earnings because they're able to sell at such a high price. And uh, it does, in terms of its movement, 
tend to lag Whitehaven coal as it breaks out and uh, it's already had its movement. So I'd say this is pretty poised for its next rally and uh, you know you can't, can't look past the, the really strong earnings that this company is getting at the moment. So I'd be a buyer of Terracom. A buy on Terracom. Claude, do you agree with Josh? Well, I personally am not going to buy Terracom, but I do think that Josh is probably right. Sounds like he outlined more the case, I think, for a short-term or medium-term trade with Terracom. Look, the story here is that uh, there can be a lot of operating leverage in this business. You know, not that long ago, people would have been speculating, oh, is it going to die under its debt load? And especially as they bought a, a mine that had been closed down, I think extended the life and then kept going there. Look, they've, it's very much a bet on coal and coal prices. So at a certain point, it's likely that the worm will turn on coal prices and I wouldn't want to be holding Terracom then. So under no circumstances would this be a long-term buy and hold from my, uh, in my opinion. However, look, it's focused on paying back dividends at the moment. The coal price is high at the moment. Josh said it, making hay while the sun shines. I see from the chatter. It's a popular trading stock at the moment. Seems like a lot of traders are in it expecting potentially a little bit of a re-rate. So I wouldn't, I don't disagree with what I think traders are thinking there, but of course markets have a, a, na- a nature of sometimes commodity markets, you know, they can go up a long time and then it starts going down at a certain point. And I really, really wouldn't want to hold for that experience. Uh, but in the short term, I sort of, if, if we're talking a short term trade, I kind of agree with the buy to be honest. Okay. I, I'm definitely not doing it myself, though. I'm more of a long-term <laughs> investor and don't invest in coal. Okay, no problem. Let's move on to our second stock of the day, and it's been requested by Tim, and it's Aurora Group. It's a global packaging manufacturer, distributor, and visual communication solutions company. It's actually Australia's second large bottler, and it serves the wine, beer, and soft drink industries. Uh, Claude, what do you think of this one? Yeah, look, as I understand it, this is probably considered a a kind of defensive company by a lot of the people that own it. And I think that's probably right. Like it's more of a potentially the people that would own it's come down a fair way. But think of it as a a defensive dividend stock. Now, I did note that at the moment, I think they're going through a little bit of uh, a CapEx uh, investment period, which will potentially mean that uh, there's less cash available for dividends, but they've, you know, said that they're planning to do the high end of their payout range and i think they're expecting reasonably strong earnings i was trying to get the uh, estimates up there for a minute there but i couldn't do it quick enough either way i look i do think this does what it says on the tin it's a reasonable uh stable business yes analyst estimates are for slight increases in earnings they're going to pay out a dividend so yeah look i think it is a reasonable defensive dividend stock nothing that attracts me to it so I'm not going to say it's a buy, but if somebody already owns it and they're owning it for the right reasons, it probably is a good match still. So maybe a hold if you already have it. Yeah, a hold. A hold. All right. Uh, Josh, what do you think of what Claude said? Yeah, similar sentiment. I think it's uh, it's a business doing a lot of good things. Um, they're in the double digit in terms of uh, return in revenues, about 15%, and profits up about 19%. Uh, the North American part of their business is, is really driving growth, and that will be helped out by the macroeconomic environment with the US dollar peaking. Um, so look, the American part of their business is now responsible for twice as much as the Australian business at the moment in terms of revenues, um, but not as much in terms of earnings, just because it's a new area that they've expanded into. So a um, couple of little concerns, the dividend payout ratio is getting quite high at about 76%. Mm-hmm. Uh, their upper range is about 80. 
and their leverage levels have increased from 1.5 to 1.8. So these risks are fine as long as those revenue and earnings growth keep, keep up with the pace. Um, so it'd be a hold, it's yielding about 5%, but I just, uh, I feel you need to be a little bit wary if those numbers start to, you know, not experience such strong growth. At this stage, no reason why management can't deliver on that continued growth with the US expansion particularly. Okay, great. Yeah. It's a hold from both Josh and Claude. Let's move on to our third stock and it's MedAdvisor. Steve has asked, I was wondering what the experts think about a small cap like MedAdvisor. It provides software that basically puts a virtual pharmacist on your smartphone, your tablet or PC. This is a pretty interesting one. Josh, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, whether it's commercially viable is, is the, the ultimate question as an investor. They are losing money. Um, it's trading at its lows. It's had a bit of a fall from grade. 65 cents down to 14 now um, and it does trade very low volume so always important to keep in mind um, when you're looking to get out of this stock uh, a couple of grand could even push the price lower than what it's trading at at the moment um, and it does fit a very niche part of the market whereby you know the older generations are having to use these medicine trackers or, or however it looks uh, on their user face inter um, but the, the adoption rate's going to be very slow um, and those clients aren't going to be too sticky on the thing. So it's a very niche area, um, maybe a very, very long-term play with the you know, ageing generation and them using the actual technology. Mm -hmm. um, it's good for things like printing off scripts, so it does have some, some use outside of just you know, simply setting reminders, of course. Um, but the, yeah, the, the technology is going to be hard to commercialise from an investment point of view. So I'd put this one as a sell. A sell from Josh. Yeah, it does sound like interesting technology, but you're right. It's an yeah. interesting market. They're an older market that doesn't often do have exactly. a massive um, take up of these things. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I've looked at a few of them. I haven't found a good one on the market yet. So yeah. I was sort of like, yeah. the idea is right, yeah. isn't it? But and even if they use it, whether they stick on it for the period, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's very difficult to say. And very little control over, you know, whether people want to use it or not, whether they like using it. It's, it's a very sort of niche area. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, Claude, what do you think of MedAdvisor? Uh, look, many years ago, I, w I quite liked it because the part of the business that you two were just discussing uh, is actually quite good. So there's like this plus one software that pharmacists use to uh, basically you know, manage some of those client relationships. That little business within MedAdvisor is quite good. The problem is that a few years ago, uh, uh, they bought an, another business called Adheris that's overseas. And the growth also for them has also more been in using their relationships with uh, people who use medicines to try and advertise or, or do some kind of marketing on behalf of drug companies. So really the kind of software part of this business is very small indeed. So even though it does have some potential, you, you correct that it's quite slow growing. It's not shooting the lights out and it's niche. That is a niche defensible business, but the rest I think is quite low margin and also, uh, you know, not that much of a competitive advantage necessarily. Certainly if there is some competitive advantage that they have in their business uh, with all the marketing and all that, it doesn't come through in the numbers at all. These guys have been like some of the worst performing small caps, everything you look to avoid as a small cap investor. Uh, for example, large increase in their revenue, uh, but uh, at the same time, almost no gain in their actual uh, EBITDA and their, their EBIT was about the same. So they're really not seeing any operating leverage that you would expect or hope to see uh, as they gain revenue, which is the sign of just absolutely 
a bad growth strategy. And on top of that, I feel like there's been a real mismatch between how much, you know, all the management have uh, earned in salaries and stuff and total remuneration over the years versus uh, the actual performance of the stock there and the experience shareholders had. So they seem to be quite top heavy with lots of, lots of management spend, big salary exp- expenses. Their gross gross profit was 35 million more or less in the last year, uh, which do, which their employee benefit expenses was 32 million. So that's even before you uh, think about all the other expenses that they have. So definitely uh, avoid from me on this one as well. So sell? Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't hold it. Like it just hasn't, doesn't impress. Okay. Uh, let's move on to stock number four, which is from John, and it's Charter Hall Long Whale REIT, which is an Australian real estate trust. Uh, Claude, let's go back to you. Uh, what do you think of this one? So this one and the next one are, are somewhat related, yes. both being in that sort of property management sector. This is a uh, a, a mixture. This is a, REIT, a real estate investment trust that people essentially own for uh, the dividend, I suppose, and or the distribution rather, because it's not usually franked and and it's a different structure. And this particular one has a, quite a mixture of, uh, you know, different places, but all in my opinion, rather aggressively uh, set up. So for example, uh, the, the good side of it is that they have the, the, the long leases, but the bad side of it that I don't like is that, uh, I've got to just check it here, but the weighted, average capitalization rate is uh, actually went down from 4.77% to 4.35% in the last annual report. So that to me doesn't match up with what I would expect to see given that interest rates are going up and the cost of debt will also be going up. So overall, I really uh, think that this is one of the less attractive uh, real estate investment trusts out there just because I don't think that the valuations are necessarily correct. They have a ton of debt, of course, as all, as do they all. These guys, you got to watch out for the debt that's coming mature in 2027. That's still a way off. I'm not saying they're in distress, but I don't particularly love this sector generally at the moment. Uh, these guys do have significant exposure to office as well, which I think is the, is the real thing that you got to worry about at the moment. And so even though they do have a mixture of commercial and, and industrial retail, etc., overall, just think that the weighted average capitalization rate has got to go up, which means NTA down. Generally think it could be a tough spot for, for the sector and within the sector do not like this one. So it would be a sell from me. Uh, Josh, do you agree with Claude that it's a sell? Yeah, look, I think if you're in it, you're probably not, not too keen on selling it um, given, given how the share price has gone. It's back down to COVID lows. But I think the REIT space is, is interesting at the moment. Like it's obviously been sold off a lot with those interest rate shocks and interest rate surprises more than anything. Um, so there's been probably broad selling in the sector. Um, but then again, looking deeper into um, this, this REIT in, in, in particular, there's a few charter hall ones. Uh, obviously you want to make the comparison to anything that you could really make in the sector because they all pretty much do as advertised as well. Um, not loving any sort of office exposure just yet. We're, we're more on the industrial side of things. The occupancy rates are a lot higher there and a lot more consistent in their uh, rental income. But the, the big sort of um, warning sign with this one is it has about a debt to equity ratio of about 41%. So that's one of the highest ones I've seen in terms of these rates. Even if you compare that to just the other charter hall, the CHC um, listed on the market, that has a debt to equity of about 
So that's even just a, a comparable between the two. You'd obviously pick the other one on, mm -hmm. a, debt, on a debt ratio. Uh, they've got good occupancy rates. A lot of stuff seems good on paper, which makes you question a few things. Um, what we've been interested in this um, REIT area is having a relatively low um, debt level, but also having rents linked to inflation. Now, Charter Hall have only got about 49% of their lease, lease rents uh, linked to inflation. So one, one big lease that they did just recently alongside Host Plus was the uh, hotels behind Endeavour Group. Mm -hmm. So the hotels, bars right across Australia. They can't negotiate that for another six years. So they're kind of locked in. Interest rates keep going up in that period before they locked it in. Um, so they're getting hurt by that exchange. So yeah, definitely I think it's a, it's a hold or sell if, you know, if you're not in it look at other alternatives in the in the sector. Um, if you're in it, I mean, you're probably just holding on for the dividend at this at this place. But uh, yeah, if you're open to it, definitely look to swap into a, a better comparable in the sector. All right, well, as Claude mentioned, we are have a bit of a theme for the stock number mm. five as well, uh, which is also from John. We're gonna take a look at Dexis, which is another real estate investment trust. Now it manages an Australian property portfolio valued at around $44 billion, and it directly owns around $18 billion in office, industrial and healthcare properties. Uh, Josh, in comparison, maybe, mm. what's Dexis like? It's very similar. Um, look, it's trading below COVID levels, which is a bit of a warning sign for me, to be honest, on any stock. Um, but yeah, they've got some premium, like a lot of office space, some premium assets like Chifley Towers. But uh, yeah, their office occupancy rate is only about 95%, whereas their industrial is 98 So you can even see just in within this business how much stronger the industrial um, part of the real estate sector is. Um, but unfortunately with Dexis, uh, office space, uh, space makes up about three or four times its industrial um, composition. So it's very much office, little bit of industrial, mm -hmm. whereas you could just go out and buy an industrial rate like a CIP or a Waypoint rate. That's our preferred names in the sector. So a hold, a sell? Uh, if you're not in it, same thing. Yep. If you're not in it, pick something better. Yep. Uh, if you're in it, you know, if you're open to it, swap to a better alternative. Okay, Claude, what do you think? I largely agree with what Josh said then. Uh, look, on Dexas though, I'm a little bit more positive relative to what I was saying about the Charter Hall REIT we just talked about. So these guys have, for example, in their office space, a slightly higher cap rate there. Uh, and also on top of that, they have, a, I think, a reasonable a little stream of income from, uh, I guess, the property funds management business that's also included there. So overall, I think it makes a little bit more sense. I do think it's possible that what, what we see in time in this sector is, a, is some takeovers by uh, big private players or, or superannuation kind of situation. So I would have thought that Dexas might be one of the more attractive ones there because it has this property management stream as well. And on top of that, it has really emphasized, and I haven't done all the due diligence, I've been an expert myself to check that this is all true, but if we take it on face value that they say they're very much concentrated in the sort of A-grade office space, then they probably won't be in for as much pain as anything that's B-grade. The B-grade office space, I think, is uh, troubled uh, from, you know, what I've been what I understand, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's on the verge of getting repriced lower if it's not already. So it, I think that the information that comes out in the market is gonna start changing to be more negative about that. And 
I think Dexas is better placed than others. So it could be one that gets taken over in the end, or it could have find a beard would not be as bad. I prefer it for sure. Uh, however, personally myself, I wouldn't. I'm not into this because it's still a huge co uh, concentrated bet on Sydney CBD, Melbourne CBD. I'm not overly bullish those locations in in the short term, next couple of years for sure. So agree with Josh on that. That maybe industrial or even other sort of different REITs might be better if that's what you were looking for. So I think it's better than the last one, but it would still be, I guess, a hold at best for me. A hold at best. Okay, well, let's summarise those first five stocks we have been talking about today and, of course, the stock of the day. Uh, firstly, stock of the day was Cogstake. Josh said a hold uh, with that delay in revenue due to clinical trials. Claude also said a hold but open to buying if you didn't uh, if you didn't own or any already, which he does. A vast majority of revenue is clinical trial revenue. It was a weak a quarter um, due to slower than expected patient enrolment in one of its studies. So a hold from Josh and a hold maybe a buy from Claude. If we look at the first viewer stock of the day, it was Terracom. Josh said buy. Huge earnings because they're selling at a high price, poised for a rally. Claude said not a long-term buy or a hold. It's a popular trading stock. It's a bet on coal and coal prices, maybe a short-term uh, trade by it certainly seems to be pretty popular at the moment let's take a look at the second stock which was aurora and josh said a hold uh, it's a business doing good things north american part of the business is helping their growth there are a few risks there claude also agrees with josh he says a hold a defensive dividend stock it's a reasonable stable business let's take a look at number three which was med advisor josh says sell it's a great idea is it commercially viable it trades very low volumes if it's a niche part of the market it is a definitely a long-term play claude says sell it likes a software part of the business but a mismatch with salaries versus stock lots of management spend there okay let's move on to the real estate ones we were looking at and number four was charter hall longwell reit uh, josh says a hold or a sell if you're not in it look at alternatives that seems to be the general view it has been sold off a lot good occupancy rates but the weak, weak warning sign is the debt to equity ratio claude says sell uh, the good side is the long leases but is one of the less attractive real estate trusts and doesn't think the valuations are right so a hold or a sell from Josh and a sell from Claude. Now, Dexas looked a little bit brighter, but Josh still rated it as a sell. If you're not in something, choose something. You're not in it already, choose something else. Trading below COVID levels, office occupancy rate is 95%, but the industrial side is stronger. While Claude said hold at best, but it does like it better than Charter Hall. So that's a look at the top five. And as well as the stocks, the call is tracking our own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. So let's check in with that portfolio update. So heading into October, Ardent Leisure was removed and Babcor was trimmed to be added to Sol Patterson. Incitec Pivot was trimmed as well. Seek was added to the portfolio with its weighting funded by Ardent Leisure and Incitec Pivot. So let's see how that portfolio is performing. So, so far our fund is up 2% on a cumulative return basis since inception on March the 1st. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. At CMC, We've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give 
experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, let's move on to our next five stocks as picked by you. We're going to look at Polynovo, Sims, Instatech Pivot, Washington H, Seoul, Patterson & Co, and Centrex. So first up, Polynovo. Uh, one of our viewers, Jimmy, has asked the expert's opinion on this company. It develops innovative medical devices using patent technology called Novasorb. Uh, Josh, a buy, hold, or a sell for me. This is an interesting one. Mm. I sort of tried to deep dive a bit. I couldn't quite yeah. get my head around exactly what they did, but it sounded good. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's uh, definitely a complicated business, but we do have a few doctor clients at the firm that, that swear by it yep. and are really keen to get this new product, which uh, supposedly has an addressable market of around 500 million. Basically, it's a patch software that allows, you know, helps with uh, treating burn victims. Now, the new product that they've got, um, as opposed to the, the original product, which they're making good revenues off, uh, goes external to the skin, whereas the new product goes underneath the skin, I believe is the key difference there. In layman's terms, that yeah. is. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's much complicated than that. I'm sure it's much more that. complicated than that. Um, but look, from an investor point of view, they've gone from about a million dollars uh, in sales per month back three and a half years ago to now be five times that. So they've grown their sales by about 500% in that period. Um, whilst it is a biotech, it you know sort of has a, a, a very volatile um, range, both in the short term and, and even in the long term. It's it's had a, a pretty historic rise and then fall, and it, now it's coming back up. Um, looking at these fundamentals, it is kind of getting to be a mature biotech, if you will. Um, so it's you know starting to get these really strong revenues. It hasn't just got one product out there. Um, it's not hinged entirely on getting FDA approval, which is good for a biotech company. Um, new CEO as well, just recently, as director buying. So a lot of good things happening inside the company. Um, I put this as a spec buy. It is very volatile. You can see there from the chart, it's at the very top of its short term range, being that sort of $2 mark. Um, if you can pick this up at around $1.50, uh, I think it's a, a good spec buy um, and then just get involved in the story and get to understand it a little bit more as the story goes along. Yeah, it's certainly a really interesting story. Mm. Uh, Claude, what do you think of uh, Polynovo? Uh, Polynovo, I think is it, it, is a high, it has the potential to be a high quality business and I think I have owned it in the past and don't own it now. No, no current intention just based on the valuation. So, you know, if, if you do, if they do end up continuing to take market share as is forecast and as, as many people think they will, the, what the chairman keeps on buying shares and has been for a while. So there's a there's a fair bit of uh, potential bullishness there. You never know. But uh, I think that it is going to grow into a great company. And I'm not quite sure what that company will be worth. But even if we just take, there's a few analysts forecast out to 2025, talking about maybe $27 million uh, in profit then. If we take that and, and take that as a given, and I think it's reasonable, it might be higher or lower than that, but then you still got a fairly high PE ratio for the stock overall. So I don't, I think this is a good business. I think definitely pop it on your watch list because a better product that's differentiated by um, and, and has a competitive, genuine competitive advantage because it's, it's doing better results for the patients and the, and the surgeons like it, that kind of product can have a sustainable good profit margin for quite a long time. So 
it's definitely possible that the business will grow into its currently va- current valuation of like 1.3 billion. But for now, I say uh, I, a fair bit of success is already priced in. So I'm tempted to just basically try and wait for a lower price. It got down to around a dollar uh, earlier this year. And I have to say it was looking appealing to me then. Uh, I didn't buy any, but I could imagine this one might be one you might want to buy during a share market panic if it got quite low. So it's a hold and wait for that lower price. Probably a hold. If I had a smallish position and it was more just considered the high risk growth sec- segment, I probably would hold it. Yeah. Uh, but not buying right now. Okay. So it's a spec buy from Josh and a hold from Claude. Let's move on to our seventh viewer stock. And Brandon wants to know the expert's opinion on Sims. Now, Sims is a global leader in metal and electronics recycling. They basically buy and process scrap metal from businesses, other recyclers and the general public. And they have processing facilities in the US, the UK and Australasia. Uh, Claude, what do you think of Sims? Well, I think it's a it's sort of a fairly tough uh, capital intensive business. So it's not the n- normal thing that I'd try to invest in and so for that reason i'm probably not an expert on the actual moving parts of this kind of business having said that uh seems has been around for a long time and if if it can just sustain its current level of earnings then i think it'll end up being uh fairly cheap for uh shareholders so just based on the price of it right now it looks kind of attractive to me as as a sort of yeah so what's yeah, it trading some, at? $12.61. Risk- yeah, so it feels, look, honestly, it feels like a little bit like catching a falling knife at the moment. <laughs> uh, and you've got to remember inflation is bad for capital intensive businesses because it, it increases their need for working capital, which means that even if they're actually operating quite profitably, that profit just ends up going to uh, capital equipment and inventory, which needs to be, you know, replaced or, or built or whatever, especially if they're growing or trying to grow volumes, which it looks like uh, Sims are. So Overall, I'd probably just say a hold at this point. You know, the contrarian in me thinks it's starting to look cheap, but I wouldn't generally rush into this kind of business just because it's it's not what you'd classify as like a good long-term multi-year kind of business to own just because capital-intensive businesses that are also um, subject to cyclical forces can really go up and down and, and have good times and bad. So more of a trading one, probably. Uh, Josh, what do you think of Sims? Yeah, I think sort of similar thesis to Aurora. It's a very sound business. Um, they've been around, like Claude said, for forever and a day. Um, it does fit some sustainability checklists, you know, demand for recycled materials. Um, landfill costs are only going to increase by 10 to 15% a year. Uh, it is, I'd, I'd, I'd call this bottom of the range at the moment. There should be pretty strong support kicking in around $12. Again, my style is not to catch the falling knife. It's probably more so to wait for the bounce off that, you know, sort of $12.50, $12. So yeah. Uh, yeah, hopefully it can show some life here, but I'd definitely put it as a hold. I don't think there's any real reason to sell this stock given that it's probably just been dragged down a little bit with the market, um, yielding about 4% in terms of its cash payment as well. US demand is still quite strong for um, steel, which is a big part for, for Sims. So, um, yeah, I think this, this company is fine to hold for the time being. Claude says it's, he's, it's attractive based on the price of it, but mm. you think you'd wait a bit longer? Oh, the price here is fine. The okay. price here is great. It's yep. bottom of the range, but maybe just waiting for it to build a bit more of a base yep. and start to scoop up. And then maybe it'd become a little bit more of an attractive buy. I know it's in an upgrade cycle for its earnings. Mm-hmm. So maybe it takes another earnings report to have a look at it and say, okay, well, the earnings are actually really quite strong and still continuing to increase. And that's maybe the catalyst when both those things match up. 
Okay, so it's a hold from Josh and Claude at the moment. Let's move on to stock eight, which is from Robert. And he wants to know about Instatech Pivot. Now they're an Australian multinational corporation that manufactures fertilizer, explosives and chemicals to the mining and agricultural industries. Claude, what do you think of this one? I, I think that it's interesting uh, as a play on fertilizer prices and potentially food shortages. Again, sort of going back to the comments I made regarding to Sims, this is a capital intensive business with enough moving parts that it's difficult to forecast. For example, higher fertilizer prices would be good for it, but if they're having trouble getting enough gas at the right price, then that could be bad for it. So there's a, there's a few things to explore there and I haven't gotten into the nitty gritty of all those risks. However, you can sort of see from the analyst forecast that the, the overall expectation is actually that uh, you know, profits will be lower from here, in, including uh, dividends as well, that, that that will also follow that trajectory. So if we look out a few years, uh, I guess it's over earning at the moment. So well, according to analysts, it's over earning at the moment. So you can't extrapolate the current P ratio is correct. Having said that, it still actually doesn't look too outrageously expensive to me, even if you factor in the fact that earnings are likely to go down. And because of that, thematic trade that I mentioned where yes there's a downside from gas prices but maybe we've seen the worst of that and then you've got upside from more demand for you know farming and food uh, I look I think fertilizer demand goes up basically because as you get crazier wedding we uh, weather patterns there's and also war and geopolitical risk and all that kind of stuff all of those things contribute in my opinion to potential uh, food price inflation so I don't know exactly what's going to happen. And it is a little bit of a, a more of a speculation or a, a trade kind of idea. But I kind of I like it for a trade, put it that way. I don't own any myself. It's not really my style to do these kind of trades. Once in a while, I do. Uh, earlier in the year, I did a sort of similar trade. Now it looks OK to me as a, as a short term trade on that momentum. But longer term, I don't like to keep my capital in these capital intensive businesses because the best multi-year multi-baggers come from businesses that have high return on incremental capital investment, which usually means they don't have to buy physical plants and all that kind of stuff. They've just got a product that they can sell like a brand or a software or something like that. So it's a buy? A buy short term, long term. It's not the kind of company I want to hold. Okay, buy short term from Claude. Josh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think a couple of these stocks are really highlighting um, some of the different strategies that are out there in markets and, mm. and that they're sort of sometimes the chalk and cheese between myself and Claude. So uh, he took the words right out of my mouth in terms of uh, buying this one for a bit of a trade. Similar to Terracom, you know, these companies are doing quite well given the environment. Um, it's benefiting from the, the macroeconomic environment. Um, Russia is actually the largest global exporter of fertilizer, uh, about 20% of the world's supply. So it's a bit like coal. It's, it's not environmentally uh, friendly on, in terms of at the moment from the conflict, but it's a, it's a necessity right now. The world needs those fertilizers regardless. Um, otherwise, we're gonna get serious issues like food shortages and stuff like that. So IPL is well positioned. Look, the other side of their business is the explosive side. Um, so they do business services to mining companies like BHP, Rio, Fortescue, all those really big names here in Australia. So that's always been a, a solid part of their business. Um, you know, they're working towards some healthier solutions for soil uh, as well. So they're doing some stuff to position themselves well longer term. Um, but I would treat this as more of a short term trade. I believe they're due to report in November. And if you look at the, the way this stock behaves, more importantly, it tends to 
move quite aggressively higher on its reports um, and then give up ground quite quickly. So you definitely need to be on top of this one. Okay. Uh, if you're gonna get position, it's in a beautiful uptrend. If you're gonna get position in it now for that reporting season play, with the uh, you know macroeconomic conditions also helping it out, you know the tensions could stop tomorrow and the fertilizer demand views be a lot weaker. You know the stock price could fall out of it. So uh, yeah, definitely happy with this one from a, a short-term momentum trade point of view. Okay, the agreements on that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we haven't had too much disagreement today. No. Let's take a look at stock nine, and it's from one of our viewers, Nick. He wants to know about Washington H. Sol Patterson and Co. Now they're a significant investment company with a portfolio encompassing many industries, including pharmaceuticals as well as mining, building materials, and property, to name a few. Claude, what do you think of Sol Pats? Look, I think Solpats has got to be one of the best long-term hold dividend stocks to um, for people to buy if that's what they want, just to have exposure to the economy and exposure to uh, the fairly skilled capital allocation, you would argue, and, and good, uh, honest, competent management that have continually rewarded shareholders for uh, by paying out increasing dividends usually. But uh, look, there's a few ways to think about it. Uh, it is a conglomerate. Obviously, huge contributors to its earnings include uh, Brickworks and, of course, uh, New Hope Coles, which has been the real star of their portfolio recently. And they own a, a range of different strategic investments, which is the part that I like most about it. Uh, for example, TPG Telecom as well. Uh, this mining company called Aeris that I think looks interesting and is designed to give them exposure to uh sort of copper price over the long term and also you know they have a lot of listed investments so overall it is you could sort of think of it almost as an alternative to an etf perhaps an etf is a better a better way to go about it but these guys are going to be more strategic they're going to take uh some like different bets and you'll you'll have a different path uh, i i admire them in terms of the price right now uh, i think that you know, generally speaking, if it gets close to around one times price to book, then I would consider that to be a good opportunity. Uh, depending, but you've got to you've got to think about uh, you know what the individual holdings are doing. It's kind of hard to to say exactly. Uh, it generally probably trades a little bit more expensive than I'd want to pay for the business, but I would not be against it in any way either. And it would be a hold to a buy for me, depending on what your purposes were. Uh, so Claude has a hold to a buy. Josh, what do you think about Washington Solpats? Yeah, not much disagreement today, uh, despite the different styles, which is is, is good to see. So, um, yeah, look, similar similar to what is just a little bit of an index fund. Ever since they had that merger with uh, Milton, made it a lot more um, sort of diversified in a lot of the blue chip names, large holdings in Macquarie and strong sort of blue chips like that as well. Uh, but still, that heavy skew towards. You know the the few names it's got like new hope which is obviously been a, a star performer um we'd liken it to you know buying an index fund that's over allocated in coal mm -hmm. which is probably where we want to be right now um and it's got good management it's recaptured its momentum from being in somewhat of a downtrend for a couple of years probably just due to those valuations cool off we've seen valuations in a lot of these you know, I know it's in the energy space, but it's very similar to a fund manager as well. We've seen valuations peel off on fund managers in the past um, for no, no fault of the company. Uh, but they did have a report just recently which popped it back up. If anyone likes to follow some technical analysis, that brought it above the 200-day moving average. And because that, um, you know, 
movement happened on significant fundamental news where you should say, okay, well, that's the new pricing for the company. So it looks like it's roughly held up. Those lows have, have well and truly held up and it looks poised to go higher again. So I think you're getting it at a perfect time um, just after breaking that downtrend and, and hopefully starting its uptrend next. Again, it's gonna pay you good dividends in line with the market. It's gonna have strong names in it like New Hope, um, TPG, even large holdings in Macquarie as well. There is one little concern that you probably wanna be, and always, you always wanna highlight risks with yeah, investments, absolutely. even the ones you like. Um, there is one slight risk with Solpats, and that is the decent allocation to unlisted investments. We've seen a lot of repricing um, in this space. You know, the most famous one would be Canva, mm -hmm. repricing its entire company. And it's not something that fluctuates like a market. You can't get a daily market price. However, that market has, has, has probably been experiencing some pain with capital, capital raisings drying up. So, you know, there's the potential whilst those investments don't fluctuate on a daily day basis, the pricing can go from, you know, 100 to zero really quickly overnight if the capital dries up and they're not a profitable business. So they've got a lot of uh, holdings in private businesses um, where the capital may dry up. So just something to keep a keep a, a loose eye out on on any reports moving forward once you're in. So a hold, buy or a sell from you? Uh, buy. A buy. Yeah. So we've got a buy from Josh and a hold to buy from Claude. Uh, let's take a look at our next stock, which is Centrex. This one is from David. It's an Australian mineral exploration company that is focusing on phosphate exploration. Uh, Claude, what do you think of this one? Uh, this seems uh, fairly uh, speculative to me. So uh, potentially the similar thematic as what we're talking about with Institute Pivot in terms of uh, the, that sort of fertilizer film, I think, uh, fertilizer need for fertilizer i think these guys are looking at phosphate and potash and and selling fertilizer themselves uh however market cap of 82 million cash of not much i think they've just they might be starting to get some tiny trickle of revenue but essentially i mean historically they're, they're not revenue i think they're starting to they're talking to about getting some revenue from fertilizer sales but uh i think it's just way too early for me it, it's way riskier i i also generally wouldn't um, even with these commodity kind of plays like the thing that I like about uh, Washington HL Pattinson is yeah they're making heaps of cash flow from coal but it's quite likely that the management will take some of those profits and then put it into some other industry now that that is perhaps you know less favorable at the moment so uh, you don't necessarily have that with single commodity bets this is a high risk one it's just sort of like getting started it's the same thematic you could think of it as a way higher risk play on uh, the interdict pivot, pivot um, theme, but you just don't have that backdrop of a genuine profitable business that's been around for ages and is going to be around for ages because it's strategic. So way riskier on the downside, too risky for me. I wouldn't personally touch it. However, that's not to say that the trade isn't on. Sometimes, you know, things just move on the thematic story uh, and that's it, it could do that, but overall it's too high risk for me and I, I wouldn't like it. So a sell? Yeah, well, I just feel like the thematic trade is kind of the right the right one at the moment. But if I was, I would be looking to sell, yeah. Okay, uh, Josh, do you agree with Claude that it's a sell? Um, it, it is a bit of a difficult one because it does look quite attractive in terms of the stock price movement. It rallies on reports, holds quite strong, uh, moves higher again. But yeah, look, there's lots of companies out there that look quite good and, and might make 
plenty of money. You don't have to make money on them all. And this is one that doesn't quite add up as an investment grade company for, for, for my mind. Started off as an iron ore company. Um, they, they didn't do too well at that clearly and they've sort of rebranded into Agriflex. Um, and then, you know, we've got just uh, a lot of risks. Like its revenue at the moment is about 200 grand in a year. So very, very sort of small. Um, net profits losing about $21 million overall. Um, so they're gonna have to cap raise if they continue at this. You know, technically it looks okay. Um, I'd be on the hold side if you've got it. I definitely wouldn't be buying into it. Um, and look, I'd be very prudent to sell out if it does uh, experience any sort of weakness, just not investment grade for our mind. Okay, well, let's do a quick recap. We've got mm -hmm. some interesting ones there and then I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions as, as well, but let's recap those stocks first. Uh, we looked at Polynovo and if we have a look at what our experts said about this one, um, I'm just bringing it up on screen here. Josh says it's a spec buy at around $1.50. It is very volatile. On the upside, uh, it's grown sales by 500%, starting to get some strong revenues. It has more than one product and a new CEO. Uh, Claude's as a whole, wait for a lower price. It's appealing around a dollar. It's a good business, so put it on your watch list. And if we look at Sims, uh, Josh says a hold. It fits some sustainability checklists. It's bottom of the range at the moment. Claude also agrees with Josh. He says, overall, a hold. It's been around a long time. It's attractive based on the price of it. Don't rush into it. Not a good long-term multi-year because it's capital intensive. Uh, moving on to Incidec Pivot. Josh says, buy for a trade. It's doing quite well given the environment. It's in a good uptrend. Claude says, buy short-term. It's a capital intensive business. It's over-earning at the moment, according to analysts. And then if we look at Washington Soul Paths, uh, Josh says it's a buy, good management, recaptured its momentum. One slight risk is their allocation to private businesses. Claude says it's a hold to buy, one of the best long-term dividend stocks, uh, continually rewards shareholders. And then lastly, Centrex. Uh, Josh says hold if you've got it, looks attractive, but it just doesn't quite add up. Where Claude says it's way too risky for him, it's a sell. So Claude, I'm gonna put this to you today. Uh, out of all the stocks we've looked at, uh, which one are you liking the most? most uh, of the ones we talked about today yeah. uh cog state which i i guess i i must declare i own shares in it's the only one i own shares in and look i guess the the reason for that is because although you did say a hold you didn't say I, it. yeah but if if you ask which one i like the most yeah. it's definitely the one like because it's and i'll explain why some of the buys that i said they were more short-term kind of oriented yep but where my heart is is actually as a long-term investor. Now, the way the way to look for big long-term winners is generally companies that can uh, scale their profits way quicker than their revenues. And Cogstate, you know, it's selling a software product basically. It doesn't have that delicious recurring revenue, always growing kind of software revenue that some companies do because it has to sell them sell it to Cogstate. But I see sell it to the clinical trials. But I see Cogstate as selling uh, the the picks and shovels in what is probably a little bit of a gold rush. So uh, for for two next two or three years, I, I think that it's quite likely we have a lot of research into Alzheimer's. And at, if that causes their revenue to go up, then a lot of that additional revenue should fall to the bottom line. You have a fair bit of uh, actual uh, strong profit growth there. And that that's what I that's what could, could move the share price quite a lot over the next couple of years. But it's, it's a high risk, high reward thing. But yeah, it's got cash, it's cash flow positive, it's it's a strong business as well, so that's why I like it. 
Okay. Uh, listening to you today, you seem pretty keen on Washington H. Sol Pat. So have, have I read that wrong? No, no. I, I just think it's so Washington H. Sol Pat's probably the the highest quality business we discussed today. But yep. the you know it's, it's like under a three percent yield. I think from the from the top of my head. So in terms of the price, in terms of the risk reward, it doesn't. It's not my favorite. I think it's a what two point nine or three percent yield. Well, you can get more more than that in a term deposit at the moment. So. The reason to buy Washington H. Patterson is because you think in a few years, these guys are going to keep increasing the dividend and that's going to be way better than uh, what I'd get in a bank account. And historically, over the very long time, that's absolutely true. Uh, so it's, it is a long-term investment that you want to make there. And it's a high quality business because it's quite diversified within it. They think carefully about the long-term themes. They're long-term investors themselves. So that's a good match with, with what I want to try and do in the markets there. So. For that reason, I would say that of all the companies that we've talked about today, that's the highest quality one. I just don't see a particular opportunity in the current price, but it's a high enough quality company that you could just buy it anyway. And probably uh, if they keep on going for the next 30 years as they have the last or anywhere close to it, you're still going to be smiling as a long-term investor. Uh, Josh, what's your favourite stock that we've talked about today? Well, I think you're leaning into what's what's done really well in the Aussie market and mm -hmm. what's still relevant in the macroeconomic theme, and that's coal. So, you know, if you're a little bit more aggressive, you want to get exposure to the direct coal price, pick up something like a Terracom. Um, if you want to get a bit more of an indirect exposure, then Solpats is your play with that large holding in uh, New Hope Coal. So, if you're after some, some quick short money, go to Terracom. Uh, if you're happy to park your money somewhere and get that little bit more of an indirect exposure to coal yeah. uh, and the benefits that will come from that and the divvies hopefully that New Hope Coal will pay, um, then your, your sole pats is a really great investment to pick up not only the coal but also just the market in general. Okay. Uh, Claude, then if we're going to stay well away from one stock that we've talked about and just say don't touch it, don't go near it, uh, talk to me, uh, which one is it? <coughs> Uh, probably for me right now, I'd say the the CLW, the the office rate, or it has a bunch of just stuff. That that rate is to me most likely to be some kind of a value trap, as it were. So I'd stay well away from that. It's not fun to get bought into value traps because people tend to put more in them, thinking, oh, they're cheap and safe, uh, than they would if they knew that they were taking a high risk bet. Then people put a little bit. It's not so dangerous. The number one I would avoid is CLW. Uh, Josh. What do you think? Which um, one would you I'd avoid? have to go the, the Medvisor. Um, okay. It's a great story, um, but this is a risk in markets where don't fall in love with the story. It's, it makes you feel nice and good, um, but uh, it doesn't necessarily make you money. So don't fall for the story in this case. Okay. Uh, make sure the business is viable first. All right. Thank you so much. And that is our show for today. But stick around. Coming up, we have a jam-packed show on the small caps. Simon Matter, the CEO of Prime Financial Groups, joins us to discuss the business and their self-managed super fund offering. A big thank you to Joshua Barker from Macro Capital and Claude Walker from A Rich Life for their insights today. It was a great show and some really interesting uh, stocks we covered. If you do have any stocks you would like us to cover on the call, please send us an email, thecall at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us at, at TV. and a reminder you can find all the stocks we have in the Cords portfolio by heading to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. I'm Amber Sherlock, I'll see you next time. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. 
Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.